Welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. This is episode 1005, my interview with Jeff Garson. We're discussing his book, Radical Decency. Really good conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Jeff, welcome to the Hidden Why podcast. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Happy to be here. Tell us, mate, Radical Decency. What a great, uh, what a great book and great title. Mm. Very timely and suitable, huh? I think so, yeah. But it's always suitable. Well, yeah, that's true. Uh, Maybe I, just I more so that, now. Uh, yeah. I think um, I'm trying to speak to an issue that's been around really for thousands of years, but I do think it's accelerated in the last generation, last 100 years, because the world's gotten smaller and things have speeded up and everything's gotten more intense. Mm. So talked about this issue. What is you know, this issue that you see? Well, the way um, the way I see things is that um, we live in a, a valued world, uh, and um, the values that predominate are compete and win, dominate and control. Now, compete, those and are, win, dominate and control. Exactly. Now, now there's is, not. Go yeah. ahead. Oh, sorry, I could interrupt you all the time. <laughs> are those are those innate traits of the human species? For our evolution? Think, well, I think they're rooted in our evolution. I think they're more related to our fight-or-flight brain than to what I call our baseline brain, which I think is affiliative. Uh, and, you know, we seek one another out. We seek to be in relationship with one another. But fight-or-flight is triggered by those values. I want to say that there's nothing wrong with those values. They okay. really serve our purposes in many respects. The problem I think we face is that they're way out of control. So, in other words, they show up not just in normally competitive situations, mm. but they show up in our marriages and they show up in our friendships. And they really show up in the way we treat ourselves. You know, we it's built in, you know, we want to get the best grades so we can go to the best college, so we can get the best job, so we can make the most money. That's a very competitive uh, path in life. And, uh, and that's why I say I think those values are out of control. Yeah, now, so related to the fight, flight and fight um, brain, I mean, you're right, like a lot of those natural evolutionary traits that we have nowadays aren't as necessary because we have a lot already. And I, I just look at um, you know, things like diet and what drives us to... Um, you know, want to eat and eat and eat until our bellies are bloated and overfull. You know, yeah, it's, it's just so available. Um, yeah. And it's probably similar to this idea of, you know, material possessions and wanting an education so we can get more stuff and have more money and become the best, I guess. Whatever that means, you know. Um, and um, so what concerns me is that I think this overemphasis on those values uh, has uh, – Number one led to a lot of personal unhappiness, okay. uh, and number two um, has led to a lot of injustice and indecency in the world, right. um, and um, and that's bad. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I'm thinking that we should have a path for living and feeling better as we live our lives, and a path to contribute to a better world. Now, if the fundamental problem is a values-based problem, yeah. overemphasis on competing when dominating control. Well, we need to look for a values-based solution. Hmm. Uh, so I'm saying we need to diverge 
from those as our baseline values and cultivate what I call decency, uh, which I break down into respect, understanding, empathy. I'll go slow. Respect. Understanding, empathy. Yeah. Acceptance, appreciation, fairness, and justice. Appreciation, fairness, and justice. Exactly. It's a few there. Was that seven? So seven values. And if we live out of those seven values, we're going to get happier results for ourselves personally, which I can happy to describe, uh, and also um, contribute to a better world. Now, the other key to this uh, is that we are intensely creatures of habit. Uh, and we're very influenced by the environments in which we live. So, um, you know, shifting to those values from compete and win, dominate and control, it's a tough road to hoe because you're going to revert. And that's where the radical part comes in. If we're going to have a fighter's chance of really moving toward those values, we have to practice them at all times in every context without exception. Yeah. And we have to do it f- to ourselves, which is very important, to others and to the world. Hmm. So that's. I, I like these two aspects of what you're talking about here. On one hand, we've got this, you know, um, level of decency towards ourselves and therefore our journey of a, a happy life, um, mm-hmm. but also a level of decency towards the rest of the world. So mm-hmm. I guess we can have a happy, you know, community, happy world as well um, that mm-hmm. we give back to and. and all work together towards a common, more common goal. Exactly. Um, exactly right. It feels like right now we're, we're at this real big, I don't know what's going to happen next sort of moment. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are, but around the globe right now and with everything that's going on with the pandemic and uh, global climate change and um, this, this continued drive for more money, it seems to be coming more vicious, I would think, but maybe it's just because of my age and I'm growing up and I'm maybe experiencing it a bit more, seeing it a bit more, but I really feel it's, it's, it's heightened. It's more radical at the moment. I do. I think it's getting worse. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and part of it is that the world is, has speeded up remarkably in the last 40 years. Um, and, and everything's smaller, everything's faster, which means that compete and win can get a lot more intense. Uh, and, and it has, um, you know, I'm, I grew up, in an era, I spent 25 years as a lawyer, and the way your day went was you'd get a letter from somebody, and you'd read it, and then you'd compose a letter, and you'd put it in the mail and send it to him, and three days later, you'd get a response back. Well, now everything happens instantaneously. You get an email, and you respond, right? Yeah, and, uh, and get an email on your phone anywhere you are at any Well, moment. that's true, too. You know, yeah. Not just when you're in your office in front of the computer, unless you've got good disciplined habits. Yeah, and, and, you know, this notion, and again, I have the benefit of having been alive for a long time, but this notion that most of us get up, we don't even get up. We're lying in bed and we reach for our phone and we check our emails mm. or, or we check, um, you know, social media. Yeah. We're already on before we, literally before our feet hit the uh, side of the floor on the side of the bed. Mm. And so it goes. But that's this idea of just wanting, I don't know, this reward, this constant need for, um, not data, what is it? It's a constant sense of reward, a constant sense of what I'd think of is superficial happiness. You know, we, 
we want to check that message to see if someone's liked our post so we can feel better. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's whatever not a moment our in our day where we have time. Right. Yeah, whatever our definition of winning is, we tend to be hooked on it. It might be being very popular. It might be making a lot of money and building a career. But notice how the examples that come to mind are all about compete and win, dominate, and control. Yeah. Are these different, like compete, win, dominate, control? Are we talking about one of the same thing, or are they all slightly different in their ways? Well, that's a good question that I probably haven't thought about enough. I, I think they overlap a lot. Um, but, you know... Each of them has, a, has their own story. I mean, competition is a great thing. Um, but when you compete and think that um, you're only going to feel good about competing if you win, that isn't such a good thing. Mm. Uh, Let's put it in context. Like when is, I mean, competition good? I guess, you know, it's good for motivation, isn't it, for one? It is good motivation, and that's mm. important. We need to be motivated. I'll tell you a great story that exemplifies it for me. Yeah. There was a guy that I worked with when I was a young man who um, was a he was a lawyer um, in Baltimore. And I was talking to John one day. Um, this is years ago. He said, I was in court yesterday, and the guy on the other side was such a good lawyer. And he said he beat my brains in, but it was such a pleasure to see him at work. <laughs> Now, John, John was trying to win. It wasn't like he gave up. But do you notice that, you know, the competition, winning didn't, wasn't required to make the competition invigorating and engaging. Right. I've always loved that story. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, that's, you know, the competition, I'm in real estate myself. And this industry has that level of competition. And from that, if you're not winning... Um, there's this level of it's, it's jealousy or it's hate, it's vindictive, you know, and, and you yeah. notice that when you come into the industry. Um, that's the sort of people that are there and it doesn't have to be like that. There's an abundance of, you know, opportunities for us all and if you work hard and do the right thing, you know, you'll get that and, hey, congratulations to you if you get a listing and sell it. You know, um, one of the ways that I personalize this is that there is a phrase that I'm sure you've heard over and over again. Um, you can do anything if you try hard enough, right? I mean, yeah. it's commonplace. Everybody says that. And it's meant to be really inspiring. And I don't like it at all. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because it's all about compete and win. Because if you think about it, it's an incomplete sentence. The full sentence necessarily is you can do anything if you try hard enough. So if you fall short, you only have yourself to blame. Hmm. And boy, the second half of that sentence, which we don't talk about much, comes up all the time. Right. I, I never felt good when I left court and I lost. Mm. Never. So and I put, blame myself. You blame yourself. Yeah. Oh, I should have done more if I'd asked a different question. Do you think a lot of people do, but because there's, there's probably two grounds to that, I would think, which is one you might walk away from that situation blaming yourself or the other one is, um, which I would commonly think happens, is you walk away from it blaming the externals that you don't control, like I didn't have the right judge on my side today or the panel wasn't good or the other solicitor cheated, you know, something like that. That's a good point. Um, and that's a pretty bad feeling too. It's, it's They're both the same. Both make you yeah, feel yeah. pretty shitty. It, but Yeah, they mo and, and who wants to walk around life feeling shitty a lot of the time? I yeah. Mean, it doesn't make sense to me. 
Do these flow on from each other? I'm just looking at it, and sorry, I'm a little bit analytical, I guess, but competition and then win, and if you're winning, you go to the next level to dominate, and once you're dominating, you're controlling. Like, is it hierarchical? Yeah, probably. I hadn't thought of it that way, but Mm. but that makes a lot of sense. And and notice that it's never okay. You know, I haven't really bumped into too many people who say, well, now I'm dominant and I'm going to sit back, kick back and relax and feel good about life. No, you want to keep dominating. Well, none of these things ever end, do they? That's right. That's like, that's one of the problems. You win today, but it's not going to be enough. We always want this more. And as you said, things are going so much faster. So this craving for more and mm-hmm. what we've got is never enough has sped up. Absolutely. Hasn't it? Without question. Yeah. Without question. So. And what can we do so, about that? Because I think about it a lot and go, my days, I'm a busy person. I like to be busy. That's fine, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I love what I do. So that's fine too. But sometimes I think I'm going, look, why do I have to do all this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Why can't mm-hmm. I just work three hours a day, you know, rather than 10 hours a day? See, I'm in your camp. I'm a busy guy. I work a lot uh, yeah. and I love what I do. But, but to me, the answer is to really commit to a good set of values um, right. and then make that your goal. Um, so I spend my days thinking about, okay, I have a challenge in this moment. I'm talking to Lee. Okay. Am I being decent to him? Am I listening to his questions? Am I considering them? Am I being decent to myself? I have some goals to accomplish in this interview. See, so I'm right in it all yeah. the time. Hmm. Uh, and, um, and, and, and it softens outcomes. Look, I, I want to succeed, um, with my ambitions in life, but, um, but not at the expense of my values. And that's a very comforting thought. Um, and, and I always say I'm way more afraid of success than I'm a, a failure. Um, because you know, the need for success seduces you. Um, and I'm not saying I don't strive to succeed. It's just that I don't feel hooked on it. Hooked on it. Yeah. I'm going to succeed on my terms or I'm not going to succeed. Not succeed at that thing. Yeah. I'll continue to succeed at being the best person I'm capable of being. Yeah. And I think you said it before too and you just said it again, but when you're hooked on it, when these things start controlling our lives, you know, we're addicted to it and we don't have that control. Right. You know? That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess you can choose when you want to be busy. You can choose when you want to do work. You can choose when you want to have a win. But you mm-hmm. can also be okay when you're not. Yeah. And notice that radical decency doesn't negate compete and win, dominate, and control. No. It just contextualizes it and puts it within a framework that makes a lot more sense for living. Mm. And it is... It's an approach that um, I always say is its own reward, you know, without regard to outcomes. You want the outcomes you want, but without regard to outcomes, it's its own reward. Um, And I could walk you through that if you'd like. Please do, yeah. Okay. So um, the first thing is it's a very here and now orientation, okay? You got to be in the present if you're juggling decency to self, others in the world. Notice I always include self. This is not... There's nothing Pollyannish about this. Yeah. You know, Jeff Garson matters, just like you matter and everybody else in my life matters. But if you're focused on, you know, the art of being decent all the way around, you're very intensely in the present. Now, if you're in the present, 
by the way, I'm, I'm now a, a, a psychotherapist, so I, you know, t talk about this stuff a lot in these very personal terms. If you're focused on the present, we spend a lot of our time and a lot of our unhappiness is about regrets from the past. Mm -hmm. Okay. Another huge source of dissatisfaction is worry about the future. But if I'm focused on the present, trusting that this path of decency is the right and appropriate path, each of those falls away. I'm right here right now. Okay. So it has that benefit. Okay. The second thing is what you put out in the world is also what you give to yourself. It's just a psychological truth, okay? So if I'm judgmental and aggressive and angry out there, hmm. I'm going to tend to have a lot of self-judgment. And boy, is there a lot of self-judgment in the world. Yeah, that's now, a really good point. this is the opposite of self-judgment, isn't it? Because I'm going to respect and appreciate and be empathic to me and to you. So hmm. if what goes in and what goes out tend to converge, well, this is a pathway to less self-judgment, which is a better way to live. Hmm. Okay. The, the third point is um, it simplifies things. Yeah. When I was a lawyer, you know, I was a good lawyer, and there was always that question of he's missing something here. I could take advantage of him. Should I do it? Maybe I should. Maybe I shouldn't. And there was a lot of confusion yeah. uh, and about choices in life. Should I go with this firm? They're not really nice people, but I can make another $50,000 a year. You know. Well, these values simplify my choices. Mm. They're just, they're just, no, it would make no sense to go there because it's just not, it's infertile territory for somebody who wants to live the way I want to live. Not a long um, time. And then finally, it gives me an ennobling sense of purpose. What? So, to me, that adds up to a good life, which is why I always say, do radical decency because it's the right thing to do. But keep in mind that, you know, it's the best path I know of to a better life. This decency, when we practice it radically, it, you're saying it brings us in more to the present, so mm -hmm. then dissolves the past and the future, so we're focused on the now. Um, is when you talk about the values, is it these values you talked about respect, understanding, empathy, acceptance, or do you talk about finding your own values? Because I, I think often about this, and I, I like the um, stoicism, you know, mm -hmm. studying of stoicism. Mm -hmm. It's very much aligned with what you're sort of talking about too, I believe. Right. Um, and that's where you know I just want to be more conscious, and I'm not perfect by far, but more conscious about my actions and how mm -hmm. how I act with integrity to my values mm -hmm. and my beliefs. Um, and the Stoics sort of talk about courage, wisdom, self-control, and uh, justice, you mm -hmm. know, and using them as, as reasons mm -hmm. behind your decision-making and, and choices. Mm -hmm. So I don't know where my question's going with this, but I really think, um, well, I guess my question is, do we have another set of values personally that then we mm -hmm. align with this, this idea of decency? Yeah, I, I, I'm clear about this. This is one formulation of what I call our wisdom tradition, and it's just one, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think it, it adds something of value, which I'll explain in a second. But, but look, it, 
the best in Christianity, the best in Judaism, the best in Stoicism, I think, tend to converge where I am. And so yeah. I'm I'm very interested in, you know, multiple pathways. Um, and there are multiple pathways. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I just stand on the shoulders of a lot of other people that have come before me. Here's why I think radical decency makes a contribution in today's world. Um, first of all, it's not sectarian. It's not Christian. It's not Muslim. It's it's secular. The other thing is it's nonpartisan. It, it, it doesn't belong to, you know, the libertarians or the conservatives or the liberals. Um, and, and, and so I think a formulation of this larger wisdom tradition that has those two characteristics is a valuable contribution. Hmm. Uh, so. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love this. How do we jump into this, this practice of radical decency? Just start. Start. I mean, <laughs> what, what do we start with? Like you talk about respect, understanding, empathy, acceptance, appreciation, mm-hmm. fairness, justice. There you go. I can read that without my glasses. I must have wrote it big enough, uh, or just remembered it already. Um, you talk about these these things. I mean, I mean, do you have a to put yourself in the present moment where you can actually be more aware of of how decent you're being in any given moment? Do you have a practice of like mindfulness or something that allows you to do that? I think mindfulness has a lot to offer, uh, and, and and I think it's part of this practice uh, because I'm setting up an ideal, yeah. uh, and you know my belief I can't prove it is that nobody's radically decent. Hmm. So I analogize it to mindfulness. You know what you're taught in mindfulness is focus on your breathing. Yeah. Just like that, your monkey brain's going to take over and you're going to be distracted. Hmm. And so it says, without judgment, just bring your brain back to your breathing. It'll happen again, do it again. And the thing about mindfulness is you never conquer your monkey brain. No. But but if you do that practice for 30 years, you're going to be different. Hmm. And I feel like radical decency is the same deal. Yeah. So... I'm not going to right. succeed. And yeah. and I re- what I say is do it with focus, persistence, guts, creativity, and a whole lot of self-compassion. Hmm. And if you can just, like somebody who's a meditator, just do that each day, each moment, you're on your way. You know, you're 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 doing it. Which isn't that different from Christianity or or the other great religions, no. really. I mean, it, 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 you know, there's a lot of wisdom that is out there. Well, I think like all these things, it's, you know, whatever you subscribe to, it's, it's about putting into practice something that allows you to grow as a, and progress as a human being. Exactly. And that's what that radical decency about is it's becoming a better human being. It it is. driven by those other values. It becomes a lot of fun because you, you, you know, you do get better at it. Uh, and, um, you know, I was talking to um, a team of people that I work with, uh, and somebody said on the phone, "You're always saying nice things about us." Now, I don't think I don't think I'm bullshitting. I don't say something I don't mean, but um, but I thought, yeah, you know, I think you're right. Yeah. And and I think that's because I practice these values. I sure wasn't that way when I was a lawyer. If my associate came in with something I didn't like, I'd say. 
what the heck is this? You know, go back and do it right. And I think I've weaned myself largely away from that habit mm. by thinking about these values consistently. Yeah. Yeah, and it's something, again, you know, like create that awareness so then you can put these, um, these uh, values into your, into your life. Do you mm-hmm. have a, um, I mean, do you practice mindfulness yourself? Do you do meditation or things like that? You know, it's funny. I do, um, and it's, you know, everybody has their own ways. But I, I, I would say three or four mornings a week um, when I wake up just before I'm ready to get out of bed, um, I do a body scan, which is a mindfulness practice. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, to my surprise, that has become a regular part of my life. And I've dabbled in other contexts. I've gone to retreats and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty important stuff. Um, and you know what? If you're being decent to yourself um, and decent to others, that'll just create this culture of decency. Um, but there is this culture that's totally the opposite right now. And yeah. I don't know if there's any way back from it. But, I mean, work like yours needs to be pushed. You know, People need to understand decency because it's out of control. Well, here's where I've gone on that. Um, because this is, you know, this is my theory of living. This is my approach to living. But um, I am an activist at heart. Uh, and oh, yeah. what, oh yeah. And what I've come to in recent years, in the last, I would say, 10 years, is that um, there is a pivot point. There is a focus um, for our compete and win ways, and that's business. Business is so important, and it's gotten so big, and it funds everything else. You know, it funds media, it funds politics, it funds our nonprofit organizations. So my thought is... Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's gone too far. Yeah. So let's bring these values to business. Right. And the argument I make, and and this is my activist arm at this point, it's the Decency Foundation. Let's make the following case to businessmen. Look, you're people first. You're not just a businessman. And you have so much power that you really have a responsibility to think about what kind of world you want to live in and what kind of world you want to leave behind. You just have too much power. And and that with that comes responsibility. And then my argument is, look, you can be, you can make social responsibility as important as profitability. Hmm. You have to make money. You're a business. But, but, you know, first of all, there are a lot of situations in which um, it makes sense in terms of profit to run a decent business. You know, the obvious examples are dedicated workers and loyal customers, right? Hmm. Um, but, but then the other thing is um, there are going to be times where you have to um, make a choice if you're serious about making social responsibility as important as profitability. And in those, I call them rubber hit the, hits the road moments. When you hit those points, you should choose decency. Now, this isn't doctrinaire because um, you, your business has to survive. So it's not do everything at once, but it comes back to that formulation that I said earlier. Lean into the socially responsible choice and do it with persistence, focus, and guts. And creativity. 
Hmm. So just lean hard in that direction. Uh, and, um, and, and I think that, um, well, I, I think our, our, our business sector would uh, flourish in a wholly new way and add an amazing amount of leadership in the larger world to their responsibilities. Um, do, I think it's do you see happen? any businesses out there that are doing it well? Because I, I mean, I absolutely agree with everything you just said, and I think that um, there's there's now this push for this social responsibility in business, and I think a lot of people are doing it, but doing it in a almost unauthentic way, sort of doing it just because it's there now. I couldn't agree more. I, it's gotten hot, uh, and I'm a skeptic. I, I, I think a lot of people say all the right words because it's good business to say yeah. them. Um, there's a there's a well. I just published an article in Thrive uh, Global, um, which quotes a survey that very excitedly says 74 percent of business leaders in our survey said that um, being a good citizen is good business, and 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 they intended that to be a very hopeful message. And when I looked at it, I thought, well. Really what they're saying is if decency, if social responsibility is a win-win, would you do it? Hmm. Right? Because they say it's good business. And the fact that only 74% say even when it's a win-win, I don't think it's important, I think is actually a probably discouraging statistic. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and the question I'd like to ask is suppose – social responsibility is revenue neutral, or suppose it leads you to a manageable but modest reduction in your profitability. Where do you stand then? Mm. Yeah. I'm just digesting that. I think you're going to be for it. I think we have to be. I, I, do you I see any businesses is, that you think do it well at the moment? And you know, I'm not, an, I'm not an expert on it, but um, hmm. if it's okay to give a plug to an author other than me, yeah, um, I can tell you that um, I'm um, in the middle of a book um, called uh, Reimagining Capitalism in a World on Fire by a woman named Rebecca Henderson. Yeah. And... Uh, I'm about oh about halfway through it, but um, she has a lot of examples of businesses that are I would say moving in that direction. Uh, and um, again, it's a very tricky world, and who's on the level and who isn't is a really really difficult and important question. Mm. But but she studied this and she's looking for examples, and she reports that they do exist out there. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you look at the like you said before, like the the pace of the world, and then this ultra big business now. Like there is big business, and that they pretty much dominate and control um, everything that affects everything. You know, whether it's media, politicians, um, it's all funded by you know. So then, how do you start assessing what's right and wrong, what's true and false, and you know, I okay. guess you have to sort of go on that level of decency and, and look back to the the individual. I think so. I, I, I don't think that you can legislate decency. Uh, I mean, we've tried for years, um, and most of those experiments haven't gone very well hmm. uh, because people say, okay, you gave us a new set of rules. How do we get around it to make more money? 
Uh, you know, and that's not that's not the point of the exercise. It, it's going to really take, I think, um, a reorientation um, by a lot of people. Um, well, the big businesses are now creating their own rules, really. They are. And the sad thing is, you know, I've worked with senior executives in my in my therapy practice, and you know, not all of them, but a lot of them are. They want to be decent. Hmm. You know, they care about their marriages. They care about their kids. But what you hear over and over again, well, there are two things. One is, what can I do? You know, I, I mean, I'm trapped. I, I, I've got to play by the rules, or I'm out of there. Hmm. Okay. And of course, the other is seduction. It's like you get this glazed look and they say, well, you know, I've got my private jet and my, you know, my house in the Hamptons. And, I, you know, I hear you, but I'm a winner. Yeah, I don't and think you can. I don't think some people will ever be decent just because that's the way they're wired. You know, you won't be able to bloody train them. I maybe I'm right. maybe I'm being naive in that and negative, but I just don't think there's I think there's a lot of people out there that, you know what, if if. Oh, silly example, maybe, but look, if you if you like meat and you like steak, but you know it's bad for the environment, bad for the world, bad for your health, but you still go out there and eat it because I just don't give a rats. Or you know, I drive a, a V eight petrol powered car, um, and I know it pollutes the world, but I don't give a you know damn. That's you know, you're you're sort of integral to your values, I guess. But to an outsider, it may not look decent, but to you, it's decent because hey, I'm doing it for me. You see, I, I think I always say I think that what we're about at the Decency Foundation is a sensible through line for changing the world. Do I think we're going to succeed? No. I, if if I was, you know, at the casino, I'd bet against me. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Probably ten times out of ten. Okay, but it does make sense what we're trying to do, and yes. part of why it makes sense is if we could ever get enough momentum. So that 15% or 25%, if a new ethos, a new orthodoxy grew up, not just in business, but in other parts of our culture as well, then people who are on the fence who actually aren't that decent, they go along because that's what you do. You go along to get ahead. Hmm. And if decency was the baseline, a lot of people, I hope, would do it because it's a good way to live and the right thing to do. But I think... A lot of people, if it became the baseline, would do it because that's the expectation of the culture. Yeah, and that's true, but it goes the other way too, doesn't it? If there's a lot of people, you know, being pushed by propaganda or, or a certain gen, you know, agenda, um, whether they agree or not, they'll just flow with it because everyone else is doing it. And that's exactly what's happening today. Hmm. An awful lot of good people are, you know, competing, broadly speaking, because that's what's rewarded. You know, and and it's every place, you know, people who diet, people who, you know, put Botox in their face. Yeah. Uh, people who count their followers on, you know, the Internet. Um, you know, it, it's like that's the baseline and oh, I got to do it. You know, who am I if I have five followers on Facebook? I'm a nobody. Yeah. yeah. So what's your whereabouts are you based? Uh, my, I live in Philadelphia. I've been here for Philadelphia. Years. Yeah. So what's your view on the world? And, and, you know, with this pandemic that's happened in the last 18 months or whatever it's been, and, and, and it's become, you know, it's a, it's a health debate, but it's also been politicised and now it's a political debate as well. And 
Um, in Australia, I don't know if you know what's happening here, but it's. It, I, I would say that the government isn't being decent in how mm. they're approaching this. Right. But what's your views over there and with everything that's going on? Well, I mean, our current administration is muddling through, and I think they're doing a better job. Um, but, um, you know, what I'm fascinated and a little horrified by is why are we politicizing this? Why is this a political issue exactly? You know, life and death and serious illness. Um, it, 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 we should get together and say, well, no, we're all against that. Uh, and what are, you know, modest... What are the solutions for that? Yeah, let's do what's modest and doable um, uh, in the direction of less death and less serious illness. It does not seem to me, to be a partisan issue. Sadly, um, I don't know if it's like that in Australia, but here in the States, it's almost like everything has to uh, be put through a political, you know, focus. And it doesn't make sense to me. No, I mean, if you look back to the common goal here, you're right, we're all, we don't, no one wants, no one out there, I couldn't imagine, wants people to die. You know, we're all about life. And survival and healthy healthy living. Right. You know? Of course we have our own choices, so we can affect our health in, in those ways. That's your choice and that's your responsibility. Mm-hmm. That's right. about all you can tr- control. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, that's it's the same goal. But I just feel there's this divide, you know. And it doesn't matter which side of the fence on your fence on the fence you're sitting on, sorry, I'll get my words together. Right. You can't you can't have an open discussion about it. Like if we wanted to just look at the health issue and look at the COVID pandemic and just sit down as people and just say, okay, well, here's the issue. We don't want deaths and we want to, you know, keep people healthy. Let's talk about it and how we control it. But instead it seems to be driven without discussion mm-hmm. by, by politicians and, and companies and media. Right. Those three. Oh, I, I, I think that's right. And, and I think it's, um, it's it's very unfortunate. I, I think, um, and notice what the tone of the conversation is. In a way, the tone is more important than the substance. That's so, the um, it's well, it, it's not enough for people on either side of the divide to say, "Well, I disagree with you. I, I think wearing a mask just makes good sense, and it's not that obtrusive." You know, um, they say, "What's wrong with you? What kind of idiot are you?" You know what this argument of yours is 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 ridiculous. You know personal freedom. You think this is a big personal freedom thing? That's the tone of the people who are you know saying let's you know wear masks. And the same thing is coming back at them. Well, you know you know you're trying to tell us how to live our lives, and they're not saying look we disagree with you. Hmm. I have a different worldview. Yeah. Um, you know and. Honestly, I think if if the tone of our dialogue, not just on this issue, but on all issues, yeah. could change from I'm right and you're wrong mm. to actually, I think what radical decency would suggest is if I come into a conversation with somebody who differs than me politically, yeah. what I should be thinking is I want to really understand as best I can what's going on with this person. Mm. And... I want to focus not on what he's doing wrong or saying wrong, but what I can do better in this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I'd love it if he would do the same. 
I'm not asking yeah. him to agree with me, but see if you can understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot would change if we could do that. If if we could do that. And I, I try to practice that myself as best I can, but I know I fall into the trap of, um, yeah, not not trying to listen and understand because I've got my own agenda, you know? Well, and you're provoked into it. This is where fight or flight is just so important to understand. Right. Yeah. Because when you're pushed, and this is scientifically proven, your fight or flight brain is going to say, push back. Right. That's our brain is wired to do that and wired to do it for a good reason, because fight or flight is about survival. It's just that we're using that survival brain in situations where survival isn't at stake. Hmm. Um, But you can see, and this is the sort of the evil beauty of our partisan politics, man, it sells. You know, when you tell your supporters what idiots they are on the other side, you're firing up the fight or flight brain of your supporters, and they're going to come back for more. Yeah. It's, it's addictive. You know, the fight or flight brain, if you, were, if you were 12 years old and a lion jumped at you, when you're 30, you're going to remember that. Yeah. Because it never forgets. It shouldn't forget. But if I asked you what you had for breakfast the morning the lion jumped at you, I'd say, well, what are you talking about? Hmm. Okay, because that's not our fight or flight brain. So we're set up to trigger and build and, you know, fire up the fight or flight brain because, you know what, then you turn on, you you read your partisan newspaper and you turn on your partisan television station, you're hooked. Yeah, it just feeds each other, but, you know, like it'll just, and you see it already, like you see, you know, the, the direction I will look for and the direction, you know, the other party will look for. They've got their own sources of information, um, mm-hmm. but no one's having a discussion. And if you look at it now, how it's being pushed as a, it's very, they're trying to save confusion by just having a very simple, this is the agenda, this is how we're going to do it, you know. Right. And I think that's fine because you don't want confusion. I think that can create chaos and complications mm-hmm. in a public that you're trying to do the right thing by potentially. Um, but if you, if they keep pushing it like they do without discussion and conversation, then people on the other side will just fight that more and find more fuel to push back. And that'll create this divide even bigger, won't it? Oh, my God, yeah. You know, um, I work with couples a lot. Yeah. And and couples, in a way, are a microcosm for this. Um, and when you get a new couple, you know, eight times out of ten, this is the way the first session goes. We're in trouble here. Let me tell you what she's doing because it's driving me crazy, okay? And then she says, I agree with him. We're in trouble. Let me tell you what he's doing, okay? And what I need to get that couple to understand is if you keep doing this, yeah, you're not, not going to get any place, okay? So you have to stop looking at what he's doing wrong and start thinking about what you can do that's better, and a constructive contribution. Hmm. And you have to do the same thing on your side. It's so hard to do because we flip into fight or flight. Because, of course, your partner is the most dangerous person in the world because your partner can love you so well. Well, withdrawing their love, is a that's a serious deal. Hmm. So I'm always fighting this tendency to go into fight or flight. But that's really what's happening in our public dialogue. Yeah. They're just, yeah, they're just like the couple, right? Yeah. 
And they're not married. You know, the conservatives and liberals are married, but they're living in the same house. Hmm. So you better start thinking about better relational skills, I think, uh, if you're unless we well, we could burn the house down. But that's probably not a very good option. No, no. And I think that's where we need to come to that awareness and and wake up to what's what's the potential of this if we don't, you know, act with right. decency on everyone's part. I think so. I think that's right. Yeah, and and it's hard. It's, it's frustrating because, look, I'm, you know, I'm sure you've guessed, but I, my perspective is a progressive one. But I, I, I feel it's so frustrating to go to friends' houses and to hear them say, oh, did you see what they did? Did you see what he did? Do you see what they did? And it's like, why are we talking about this? Hmm. And, yeah. and, and of course, if you say, well, let's look at what we've done, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's not, it's not going to go over very well. No, <laughs> you'll be kicked out of the party. <laughs> well, yeah, right. So it's hard. Uh, but uh, I think we've got to fight that battle. I don't, I don't, you know, it's. Hmm. Interesting to see where it goes, huh? But, yeah. mate, you decency, love it. Um, your book's available on Amazon, right? It's called Radical Decency. It's on Amazon. There's also jeffgarson.com. You can yep. buy it there. It's my author's page. And the other thing um, that I always like to say is, as you can tell, I love to talk about it. Uh, and the implications of it are endless. So if any of your uh, audience are moved to you know, get in touch with me, there's a spot on jeffgarson.com where you can... Send me a note. Okay, yep. cool. So we've got the book, guys. Um, I'll stick a link in the show notes at thehiddenwire.com. Got Jeff Garson's um, website as well. So I do have that up here. So I'll make sure the link's in there as well in this post. And, um, mate, look, really uh, have enjoyed this conversation. It's been fun. I really do enjoy it. And uh, thank yes. you for your interest. I can... I can see you're passionate about it. So. Oh, yeah. It's great to talk <laughs> about. <laughs> Listen... Uh, if you don't mind my saying one last thing, yeah. um, you know, when I say decency is its own reward, one thing I continually come back to is when I was a lawyer run, running my life on compete to win principles, I'd be on the phone. I'd be in conversations that were about getting a one up and being smarter and being clever. So now I get to have conversations like this with people like you. Hmm. I, I mean, it's it's so much fun. So, you know, why wouldn't I seek to be radically decent? What a better way to live. It's a great way to live. What a better way to live. Like, why would you live with this constant pressure, you know? And I think sometimes you need to just stop and just appreciate what you've got, sure. you know, rather than this chase, this constant chase. Um which we're all guilty from, but, you know, there's, I guess, yeah, it's just creating that awareness so you can be more decent and, and live a happier life. That's what we're trying to encourage here on the show. Great. It's terrific. Love it, mate. Thank you, Jeff, for coming on. Appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much. It's been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Guys out there listening, check it out at thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. We'll see you soon. 
Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon